0: Something that is uh, common to the human experience is that everybody wants better. We all want better. It doesn't really matter what part of life you could be talking about. Everyone wants better. I, I won't make you raise your hand, but how many of you have said, uh, I'm not going to ever go back to that establishment because the service was so bad. There's, there's better service somewhere. So I'm looking for better service or uh, we don't get that bread, we get this bread because this bread is better, right? Or you go, uh, we're gonna get the bad bread because the price is so much better, right? It doesn't matter that we have all kinds of different criteria for better, but we want better. We all do. If you're a parent, you're always thinking, man, I want better for my kids than what I had, right? You're wanting to pass on something Better to them and better for them. Um, You can go in all kinds of walks of life. Very few of us are opposed to better, and we all know this because you've never stood in line at the DMV and thought, "Y'all do a bad, they'll do a worse job." Never had you've never you never thought, "Hey, you guys, slow it down." and make sure that I get to stand in line longer, right? Or wherever it is, it doesn't matter. No one's ever asked for that. We always want better. They wanna do better. People that work there wanna do better. We all want better all the time. We want better, but hear this. The reason we want better is because we're made for better. We want better because we're made for better. We want better because we're made for better. God has had and always will have better for us, the only problem we experience is that we're looking for better in lots of different places, and I'm not necessarily saying that's wrong. But the, oftentimes, what happens is we're looking for whatever that better thing is out there to finally make life okay, to finally make everything really click, and we find that whatever better we might chase out there, that they always it always tends to fall short. And what we're gonna find from this letter is that there's a reason we've desired for better. This whole letter exists on this idea of better because he, the point of Hebrews, or the point of this letter is, to, is for us to discover, to see and experience once and for all that we actually can step into and experience a better that lasts. Not fleeting, but lasts. There's a better that actually satisfies. And the whole letter is literally unpacking that there is better. And the answer to what is better is Jesus is better. Jesus is better. That's what this whole, if you could sum up this entire letter in one phrase, Jesus is better. It's one large declaration that whatever better you thought you had, You haven't even begun to scratch the surface of true better in Jesus. Jesus is better than all, than all. And so before we even get a chance to just peer into the letter, I just wanna talk about why the letter actually exists. Because what happened is people were coming into this new relationship with Jesus. They were coming into this new faith. They were seeing that it was offering life and offering truth. That totally turned the world upside down. It was different than any religion that had ever been. It was different than anything people had ever experienced. But the problem is, is they had said yes to Jesus, and the church was getting hammered. That life was difficult. That for all the beauty that we get to see in Jesus' ministry and the word that spread, people... Coming into these meaningful relationships, but they found something that was surprising, which is everything wasn't necessarily magically getting better. And I don't know what your church experience has been growing up, depending on where you came from. It's possible that you heard that, hey, if you'll follow Jesus, then all your dreams, all your wildest dreams will come true and everything will be great. It'll be awesome. I'm not sure if that bill of goods got sold to you or not, but Suffice to say, if you guys, any of us that get to actually open up the word of God and look at it, it doesn't always get better. In fact, Jesus himself said, there are going to be some things that might be really hard about walking with me and following me. And that's actually what they were experiencing. These followers of Jesus had had this initial conversion. I want to give my heart to Jesus and follow after him and walk with him. But many of them were facing severe persecution. And they were walking through some deep hardships. And they had loved ones that were suffering for this name, Jesus. And they had friends that had come into the faith and said, no, we don't wanna have any part of that because it's hard. And then of course, you know, you pile on top of that all just what we might call the normal temptations, right? All the ways in which we're just... Constantly looking to find and have better, right? Those things where we feel the call, or feel the tendency to want to be selfish or impatient or just satisfy the craving for and hunger for better in a thousand different ways, and it's not ever measuring up. And then on top of that, you have this whole set of beliefs that no one else believes. And there's kind of that question like, you believe that? I mean, it was a game changer moment in history and people are walking into it. And They're like, wait, all right, I came to follow Jesus. I thought this thing was supposed to get easier. Well, like, you're saying that uh, Jesus is better. This doesn't feel better at all. This kind of feels harder or worser. If that, is that a word? I don't know if that's a word, but it felt like that, right? I don't know if you've ever been in that place. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you're like, God, I'm going all in for you. And things got actually harder. Don't know if you've ever had that experience. In fact, my guess is you have. Where Jesus is so, walking with him is so powerful and so good. And there's so much life in it. But it doesn't always make things easier. And so the writer of this letter to this church knows. I know exactly what it means to give your heart to something and walk through hardship. And I want to give to you why this is so important. And so the writer begins to unpack it. By the way, we don't really even know of all these letters or all these books that we call in the New Testament. Uh, Hebrews is the one that we know the least about the actual author. Some think it was Apollos, and some think it was Barnabas, and some think it was Paul, and some think it was Luke. And even one of the early church fathers' origin in the third century, he's, he's like, we don't really know. So if he didn't know third century, we definitely, down the road, are not really sure about it. But here's what we do know. This letter got circulated widely. It was revered and loved. Why? Because the whole church was experiencing hardship. And it had the answer to why it's worth it. This whole book, this whole letter is going to be an unveiling of why Jesus is worth it through the mountaintops of our lives and the valleys. And we've had them both. He's worth it. And so that's what the writer's giving to us. And so we're just gonna jump into this and we'll take just a few moments and then we're gonna ask God to be with us throughout this series. Hebrews chapter 1 Verse one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now, I just want to stop. Just stop for a moment. All right. Here's what he's saying. How did God speak to his people? How did God communicate his heart, who he was? He gave us all the law and all the prophets. And if you read up on any of those things before, you get a couple of things from that. You see, one, the law was awesome because what the law did is it showed the grandeur, the magnificence, the holiness, the if you will, other thanness of God. And it was communicating how powerful He was, but the problem is, is nobody could do it. The law was showing. How unbelievable he was, and we were all going, this is unbelievable, but we can't do it. They were so excited to actually get the law as God gave it to Moses, but then they looked at it and were like, oh my gosh, you're so other than we can't. We keep falling short, and then you have the prophets that came along. You think about all the things the prophets did, right? They split the seas and they raised up armies and they rebuilt ruins and they evangelized civilizations and they heard God's voice and they communicated it to the people. They did all these amazing things. And that was how God communicated. But Hebrews chapter one, verse two, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son now great word but it's actually a bad interpretation the the New American Standard has just for you guys that like to beat each other up over Bible translations New American Standard has a more faithful translation it actually says he has spoken to us in his son he's spoken to us in in his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Now, what what does that actually mean? It means this, that the law spoke about our God and the prophets spoke about our God and even would hear his words and communicate them to us. But all of a sudden, God said, no more, I'm gonna communicate to you one-on-one in the son. God in the flesh communicating. No longer going to use a law and nor a prophet. I'm coming. And the way that you're going to know who I am is I'm right here in my son. He did that because the truth is all the law. By the way, when we talk about law and prophets, I'm at the Old Testament. All the law and all the prophets. Guess what they were saying? They're all pointing to the one who would come. All of them. Every ounce of the law and the prophets, all they were doing was pointing to Jesus who was to come. Every experience we get to see throughout the scripture, all of it's pointing to this one who would come. His name is Jesus, the one who is better and over all. You ever heard the story of David and Goliath? And oftentimes the story of David and Goliath is this great picture, and often the application is, is, hey, you don't have to have a lot, you just have to have a lot of faith in God so that you can take on the giants. Church, that's not necessarily a bad or wrong message, but the truth is, is the story of David and Goliath is the picture of a king who stands up against the beast of sin and overcame for us, for a nation on our behalf. The picture of David is the picture, or the story of David is the picture of the king of the universe, Jesus. The point we get to see throughout, whether it's Moses or David or any of the incredible people that we get to read about through the Old Testament, through the law and the prophets, is just to be able to say, this is an unveiling and an unpacking of who was to come. Jonah, it's a great story, goes into the belly of a fish three days, spit out. You think that's about Jonah. Yeah, Jonah's thinking, well, I experienced it. That was very real, okay? That right, hear this. That was about a coming prophet who would go into the belly of the beast and come out victorious. The whole Old Testament, the law and the prophets, every ounce of it is pointing to the one coming. In these last days, God said, no more of that and no more of that. I'm coming to tell you, I am face to face. And then Jesus said, It's better that I go because now I'm going to come and make my home in you by my Holy Spirit. He's here right now. The God of the universe in the Son is here right now for anyone who invites him. Just says, Come. I'm ready to talk to you. I'm ready to communicate with you. I'm ready to show you life. That's what this is about. And that's important when we walk through those hard days. That's what this church is walking through. And the church is going, I don't know if this is worth it. And the writer wants to say, oh, it's worth it. Trust me, it's worth it. He's here and he's speaking. He's the better you've been hoping for. He's the better. It would be nice if the circumstances could get better. And we can ask and pray for God to make circumstances better. How many know that's a good prayer to pray? Lord, help me with the marriage or the kids or job or friends or peril or hurt or pain. It's so good to pray, God, come and move in those places. But just like our brothers who stood in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, God, come and save us. But even if you don't, you're better. You're worth it. You're worth our lives. This is bigger than, should should I get on with this religion? Seems like a good religion. They do decent things in the world. They sing pretty good songs. It's more than that. It's actually an invitation into something that transcends this life. And, and the question is, man, are we living in the fullness of that? That's why I think this writer is writing this letter to those that were really going through it. You might be going, really going through it right now and asking, Lord, are you there? And he's here to say, I'm here. Hebrews chapter one. So he's the heir. By the way, he, meaning he's the one that the law and the prophets were talking about. He's the heir. And it says, through whom also he created the world. Just if you were wondering where this whole thing came from. Created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. There's more that we We could just spend hours on that. And I won't just. You don't have to worry about that. But we could. You could actually be life giving for you to just put that into your soul on Tuesday morning. Right. When everything feels a little chaotic. He's the exact imprint of his nature. The radiance of God is manifest in the sun. He's. The full declaration of who God is, is in Jesus. He is the perfect representation of what the Father is like. No one else has anything more to say than Jesus. He is the vehicle by which the world was created. You're breathing right now because God is in Christ is commanding breath to come in and out of your lungs. Unbelievable reality says he's upholding the universe by the word of his power, meaning the universe is operating because he's telling it to, speaking it to right now. I always love just my, get my mind blown because I, I like just take a minute to think about the nature of the universe. Our solar system has a diameter of approximately seven and a half billion miles, meaning that if you got in a car right now and you drove 65 miles an hour straight with no potty brakes. Um, you, just for clarity, you can't stop. Okay, families, uh, you'd get across. You'd get across our solar system in thirteen thousand one hundred and seventy-two years. That's just that's just our solar system. It's just our solar system. Astronomers say that there are over. 100 billion solar systems in the Milky Way, our galaxy alone. And there's an estimated 50 billion galaxies in the universe. You can't even fathom this. And this is being upheld. Because Jesus says for it too. And he's saying this, this writer's saying this because he wants you and I to know whatever hardship is in front of us, God's got this. He's got this. It's not trite. It's not a cute saying. He's actually asking, would you believe me by faith? And trust me, it doesn't seem to be going your way right now, but I'm here for you and I'm with you. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the better that you're hoping for. He's the one you're looking for. He upholds it all by his hand. No other prophet ever came close to that. Anyone? No prophet could do that. Anyone feel like they can do that? No. You and I are worried about our kid's science project coming up, right? He's upholding the universe. He's making it happen. He's the better we've been looking for. And I love this because he said, it says, he came here to just make you pure and whole right now, today. Hebrews 1, 3, after making Purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Now, why does he sit down? What do you sit down? When do you sit down? When the job is done, then you get to sit down. You're taken on a task. I took on the garage this weekend. I didn't finish it, but I sat down anyway. (laughs) I told my wife, I was like, I ran out of steam. But I got through a lot of it, but not all of it. Jesus didn't run out of steam. He went all the way through. He sat down because he accomplished exactly what he meant to. What was that? Doing for you and for me what we could not do for ourselves. He made us pure, holy, righteous, sinless, spotless, perfect, To which you might go, dude, you're not describing me. Oh, yes, I am. If you're in Christ, if you just called on him, that's exactly who you are. That's exactly the standing you and I have. And the only thing we got is for the reality that we're living in to come up to and to get into the truth of what God has already said about who we are. He made purification for sins. Jesus did the one thing that we can't do for ourselves. He made the perfect sacrifice of himself and he purified us of all of it, all that call in his name. And he finished it once and for all. So now he sits at the right hand of the father ruling over the universe, ready to call us into his family. Just come into the family and live in this and walk in this. Verse four, having become, and I'm just gonna read through this because it's just so powerful. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. By the way, he's quoting scripture out of First and Second Samuel talking about David and he's talking about Solomon. But by the way, those scriptures that were talking about David and Solomon, guess what? They're actually talking about Jesus. All the, all the characters you read, it's all pointing to Jesus. The whole thing is, keeps pointing to Jesus. Verse six, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens. Or the work of your hands, they'll perish, but you'll remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You'll roll them up like a garment. They'll be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. He's the better we're looking for. God's saying, I do have better for you. The better you have always wanted was first and foremost in my son. The Word of God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And I came and lived among you in my Son, and I will give you Him, and He is better. And the law couldn't do it. In fact, we'll find out from the writers in the New Testament the law existed just to show us we never could do it. We never could. And the prophets couldn't do it. They could speak directly to and on behalf of the Lord, but they weren't God himself. Which we could say, well, what about God's blessings? I mean, right now we live in the most uh, prosperous nation in the most prosperous time in the history of the world. It's more wealth in our country now than there ever has been. And yet no one's okay. No one's happy. The simple fact is the greatest blessings that God has to give to us, they're still not enough. What all of history is gonna show us is that the law, the prophets, God's blessings, God's gifting, boyfriends, girlfriends, spouses, kids, careers, it's not enough. It's not enough. I was, um, just the other day was re-watching a movie with my daughter called The Greatest Showman. I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's got, it's got an amazing song. And actually, all the songs are amazing. Who are we kidding? Right? They're great. Um, anybody else want to be twirling around like a trapeze artist singing to your soulmate? No? If you had not seen it, don't worry. But there's a song. I think it's a song that couldn't describe this better. And there's this singer in there, and she sings this song called Never Enough. And effectively, the song is, if I, you know, if I'm, if I can't be with you, then nothing else finally measures up, says uh, all the shine of a thousand spotlights, all those stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. And sorry that that song's going to be in your head for the rest of the day. But I love the picture here. Cause this is the truth. If I don't have you, God, you can have the whole world in your hands. It's never enough. I gotta have you. So that's what this this is what the scripture's saying. That's the point. You have it, quote unquote, all. It's not enough. You have all the fame, it's not enough. You have all the money? It's not enough. All the relationships, not enough. And all of those are great and wonderful gifts. Thank God for all of it. But it's not enough. He's the enough. And so he finishes out, he finished out the, this chapter. I say chapter, I mean, there weren't chapters and verses, just this part of the letter. And here's what he wants to say. Here's the kicker, okay? This thing just doesn't work going halfway. And that's what he wants to say to these incredible followers that we're trying to navigate through this incredible, difficult time. Because he says in Hebrews chapter two, verse one, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it saying that there's a tendency in us when the stuff's not going right to drift and to say, nah, it's not for me. And what the writer's saying to the church is saying, don't lose heart. When it's harder, you got to press in further. You got to press in further. That this thing, this relationship, this, if you will, this religion, it doesn't work unless you go all in. The hardest thing to do is do halfway Christianity, just being honest with you. I've tried to do it before. It doesn't work. It's an all-in call to know him and just walk with him, to be with him, to listen to his voice. It's an all-in call. I think of, when you think of what these brothers and sisters were walking through. You can see different points throughout history where uh, we've had different difficult moments where the church has been confronted by difficulties. One of the most powerful expressions of someone that was going through difficulty was in Nazi Germany. The church had aligned itself, the vast majority of the church had aligned itself with Hitler. It's not a pretty part we like to talk about. But there were a few who held out and said, no, what's happening is wrong. One of those was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You've heard, hopefully maybe heard his name if you haven't. Um, he wrote some unbelievable works. He was martyred, taken, killed for his faith. I mean, Nazi Germany murdered, executed him because he would not bow to them, but kept his heart pure before the Lord. Pressed through, lost his life. Could have just jumped in like everyone else. Got through the moment. Nazi Germany falls. Try to come back. Hey, well, let's get back on the right track. He was not okay with that. If you've ever read his book, Cost of Discipleship, it's right off the bat, he just this something. He he makes a statement. It grabs you. It grabs you. Because he gave his life. And he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It's not always the easiest thing to hear on a Sunday morning. I'm going to be honest with you. But what he's saying is, there is something richer and more powerful to have. There's something that actually gives you more freedom than less. And that is when you go all in with Jesus, it may cost you your life. It may cost you what feels like your freedom in the here and now. But when you go all in with him and say yes to him, it gives you all the freedom to be exactly what God's called you to be. And I can't wait to shake his hand one day in the kingdom, in the kingdom to come and just go, dude, you lived it. You lived it. You wrote that in a book, but that was actually your life lived out. And I just pray that my life would conform to the very things that I say from this pulpit here, that I want to live out the true things that I say. Luke, you can come up. It's op- opportunity for us to just be able to take a step back and go, what do we really believe? When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. What a freeing thing to be able to die to ourselves and to come say, God, this is your life. You're the treasure. You're the treasure. It's nice not to be in prison. I'm sure Bonhoeffer would have said, it would have been nice not to be in prison, but you're the treasure. It's nice not to face hardship, but that's not the treasure. You're the treasure. He's the better prophet, the better priest, the better king, the better friend, the better love. And he's just reaching out to us to say, what's tempting you to run from him or just to go to be halfway? Is there anything that's pulling on you to just be halfway? To chase a lesser better? There's an invitation for life, to, for freedom, to give it all. And that's what he has for us. Would you guys stand with me? We're just going to finish. Just going to take this last two minutes that we have here. To so just let your heart be settled and just to ask this question. If it's helpful for you to close your eyes, close them, just to dial in for this two minutes. Here's the question. Do you believe Jesus is better? The radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, who upholds the universe by the word of his power. Do you believe it? I think the Lord would just ask us that question. Do you believe, do you trust me this morning? And if you believe that this morning, you just say, "Here, Lord, is what may keep me from being all in with you. I believe you're better than all. So I want to give you this in my life. Just honor, offer it to him as a gift. Just offer it to him. Yes, I believe you're better. And so you can have this. Would you just tell him what that is? I'm not gonna make you raise your hand or come down to the front. It's just between you and the Lord. If you're here and. You're not sure that he's better. You're not sure you're willing to give the whole thing, whole heart, whole life. Would you just be honest with him about that too? He's not angry at that. His arms are wide open, but just tell him and be honest. Lord, I'm not sure if you're better. I've been through some hard things. I've been in some tough places but just be honest with him. Lord, we want to be a people that are just honest with you. For those that are wrestling to believe that you're better, God, would you show us? Would you just ask him that? Lord, show me that you are better and let me trust you. Show me that you're better and let me trust you. Help me. I don't believe it, but show me, help me. For those of us that believe you're better, the Lord says, Come all in. Say, Help me, Lord, come all in. I'm trusting you fully with my life, every part of my life, my hobbies, my relationships, my family, my career. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. I'm trusting you. I'm walking with you, and I need you. We thank you, God, that we can come to you no matter where we're at this morning and you receive us with gladness. In fact, whatever you've prayed this morning, I just want you to sense the smile, the glad heart of God. He loves hearing from you. He loves hearing wherever you're at, you being real and authentic with him. God loves it. We see it all throughout the scripture. He delights in his people coming to him. So just receive the smile of God right now. Gladness of God. He's with you. He's walking with you. He's got better for you, no matter where you're at. God, I wanna receive that better. We receive your better today, Jesus. You're the best. We trust you. And we're walking with you. Would you lead us faithfully this week? And would you help us to contend for better in you tomorrow. Help us on Monday contend for the better in you. You're the better part and we trust you. We love you. We thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray. In a moment, I have our prayer partners down front. We'd love to pray with you. I'm just gonna pray a benediction over us as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Blessings, love you guys, see ya.